has been said, I think, three times now. Uh, my name is Andrew. I am the pastor of Faith Baptist Church, and we're over in Silver Springs, so just on the other side there. Uh, somebody asked if the wind blew me over today. Um, I think I was going into it, so uh, my, my gas mileage now has, uh, has greatly decreased. <laughs> but uh, thank you again. Uh, your pastor has been a blessing to me and to several other younger pastors here in this area. He's been a mentor to us. And I'm glad that he actually was able to make his trip. Uh, unfortunately, that means you're stuck having to hear me. So I apologize for that. Let's take our Bibles. Let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter number 3. Before we read the scripture, I need to satisfy a little bit of curiosity that I had just from getting to meet some of you. How many people in this church are actually named Bob? Let's just let's just see. Let's count it. Let's count it. Hold them high. One, two, three, three. Is anybody else just alias Bob? Alias Bob. Okay. All right. Well, praise the Lord. If I throw the word Bob out, I'm 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 probably gonna get it right. Praise the Lord for that. John chapter three, and let's look at verse number thirteen this morning as our starting verse. John chapter three, and we'll pick up first in verse thirteen. The Bible says this. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the, will, the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now verse 16 is probably the most quoted passage of Scripture in all of Christianity, so let's read it together. Are you ready? Begin, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pray together. Father, help me now as I try to preach your word and try to be a help to this church. Lord, as I look around the auditorium here, I see uh, some folks I've been able to start to get to know uh, through uh, through the Living Last Supper play that we ran at our church and now getting to uh, interact with this church's youth group. And, and Lord, I'm so grateful for the lives that are here, the souls that are here. I pray that you would give us exactly what you intend to give us this morning. Use your word to do what I am incapable of. Use your word to change hearts. If there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, pray that today would be the day they get that settled. Lord, if there's a Christian here this morning that's struggling with fear or, or doubt or confusion, I pray that this truth we're going to look at this morning would help to refocus their priorities, put them back where they need to be. Lord, we ask these things. Above all, we ask that you would be honored and glorified in your name would truly be that name that is lifted up above all others. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask a question. A very simple question. You don't need to answer it, but I want you to think about it. You ready? What is the gospel? Very simple. Very simple indeed. Thank you. No, it's cool. Now, if you've grown up in church, you had an answer immediately. But perhaps there's someone here 
you're new. Maybe this is your first day. Maybe you've been coming for a couple of weeks. And here's the problem we church people have. We have a tendency to throw out church words, but not define or explain church words. So I want to do that this morning. I want to preach a simple message called the simplicity of the gospel. The gospel is simple. It is incredible and it is wonderful, but it is very, very simple. To put it in just, just a very core understanding, the gospel is the foundational belief of all Christianity. Everything that your church should do should fall back on that one simple, all-powerful truth, which is the gospel. We believe that Jesus came to this world, lived a perfect life, died on the cross in the place of sinners, was buried, and rose again. That is the gospel. That is what the gospel is. And as we read this passage of scripture, we read, in, 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 to put it in context, a, a part of a conversation. Jesus is sitting down with a man by the name of Nicodemus, or as one of my deacons calls him, Old Nick at Night. You know, Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. That means he was a very educated man. He was smart. <laughs> he was intelligent. He knew the scriptures and he knew them well. Also being a Pharisee, he was part of the Sanhedrin that was the Jewish uh, uh, ruling council. He was a politician. <laughs> he was a religious, smart politician, in a sense. But he struggled to understand why this Jesus of Nazareth was doing the things that he was doing. And as Jesus begins this conversation with Nicodemus, he says, Rabbi, we know in verse 2 that thou art a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that means truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I said unto you, unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So now Jesus has helped him to understand that in order to be a follower of him, in order to enter into God's kingdom, a man must be born again. And he says there's two different births that you are born with. There is born of flesh. Everyone here has been born of flesh. If you have not been born of flesh, you are not here. And if you are not here, my word I just said to you means absolutely nothing. But not everyone has been born of the Spirit. Not everyone has, as Jesus said, been born again. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Art thou a master of Israel? He was a teacher. That's what the Pharisees were. 
they, they, they headed up all religious life and, and, and the law and, and some of the political aspects of, of, of Jerusalem and of the Jews there. Jesus says, you're a teacher of Israel, you're a master of Israel, and you don't understand these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do not know, we testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. And if I have told you of earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And he comes into where we looked at. We started this morning. No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. What Nicodemus was doing is what we often do with God's word, and particularly what we do as churches, as, as, as Christians, and have done historically over time. He overthought it. He overcomplicated it. He couldn't understand the simple truth that, that he was being told because he was too busy adding to what God had said with his own human understanding. The gospel is simple. What Jesus had come to do was simple. He had come to change people. He had come to change lives. He had come to preach the kingdom of heaven. And the only way was to be born again. The only way was to receive the simple truth of the gospel. We're going to see three things this morning. Number one, the gospel is simple in its definition. The gospel is simple in its definition. A simple defining factor. If you were to say, what is the gospel? It is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what it is. <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot boil it down any more than that. The word that we have, gospel, uh, it, it means good news. Good news. It, it, the, the, the Greek word there is the word evangelion. It's where we get the word evangelism. We are told to go out and preach the good news. We're to evangelize. We're to tell other people about what Jesus has done for us. In this simple understanding of the gospel, we see a few things. Number one, we all have a simple problem. The simple problem that every one of us has is sin. Sin. Now, how many would agree we live in a crazy world? It's insane. I mean, even just thinking about uh, current events, to consider that a, a young a man, I'll use that term very loosely, would take a, a firearm and enter into a school and, and attack and, and, and destroy 20, 30, you know, helpless, defenseless children. It's insane. But there's so many other areas of life we look at and we'd say, that's crazy too. We live in a world that's full of confusion. We live in a world that's full of minutia. There's a, we live in a world where everybody seems to be defining right and wrong based on their own opinion. And if we were to try to step back and say, what is wrong with our world? The reality is there's one single problem. Our world is cursed by sin. Behind every school shooting, behind every uh, uh, death of an unborn baby, behind every murder, and, and behind all the, uh, uh, every lie, behind it all, it's just sin. What is sin? Again, we're using a Bible, a Bible word here, and maybe you're new. Sin is simply this, it's, and we'll use a definition we could use with kids. It's anything I think, 
is anything I say or it's anything that I do that breaks God's law. In fact, the Bible defines sin as the transgression of the law. Whenever we think something, do something, or say something that is against the law that God has put, it is against what God has said in his Bible, then we have committed a sin. Now, some sins we look at and we, we, we try to categorize them as being big sins or, 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 or little sins. We, for instance, murder, we would say, would be a big sin. Rape would be a big sin. Theft would be a, maybe a moderate sin, you know. We would look at something like a little white lie, a little gen- jealousy, a little bitterness, a little unforgiving spirit. Well, that's a little sin. But that's not how God sees it. The Bible tells us that all sin is sin. I like what one uh, one one pastor and preacher, his name is Dr. R.C. Sproul, said about sin. He defined it this way, sin is cosmic treason against a perfectly pure sovereign. It is an act of supreme ingratitude toward the one whom we owe everything to, to the one who has given us life itself. The reality is God loves you. He made you. He formed you. He put you into this world, which he also created. He is the ruler. He is the God of this world. He is the king of all that we see. Because he made it, so he owns it. And if he made it and he owns it, then it's perfectly reasonable to believe then he puts some rules regarding how to use it. Anybody ever loaned out a car? And you have you have to you have some rules, you know, don't eat my car. Use whatever gas you use up. Maybe some of us you've loaned out a car and there's certain rules that are necessary to be able to operate the car. When I was in college, my car was an old 89 Nissan Sentra. Anybody that borrowed my car did so at their own risk. There are certain rules that, that had to be explained. Okay, these three doors do not work. This door works from the inside only. This window does not roll down. Uh, if the car is showing on quarter tank, it is probably on a quarter tank, but it may also be on E. You might not know. That is the way that worked. And my car also had a little button by the ignition to get the key out. Millennials did not, did not function well with a button to get the key out, you know? There are rules. If you want to use my car, you have to follow my rules. I can think of a guy, I told him, you know, I let him use my car. I get a call from another guy. We were, we were in Santa Clara at school. Uh, this other guy had to go to San Francisco to pick somebody up at the airport. The first guy I let him borrow my car was going the opposite direction. And he just passed it off to the next person. And he said, well, your car's broken down. I don't know what's wrong with it. It was on E. <laughs> but it was reading quarter tank. He didn't follow my rules. And because he didn't follow my rules, there was a penalty. There was a, a, a punishment that this individual had to face because he did not follow the rules for the car that I owned. We live in a world that belongs to God. He's given law on how it, this world is to function. We've broken the law. And every one of us has done it. In fact, the Bible says in Romans Chapter 5 and verse number 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In Romans 3.10, 
As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. The Bible makes it clear. Every person in this room, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, skinny, not skinny, it doesn't matter, you are a sinner. Man, I'm really encouraged to be in church today. we got a guest speaker. <laughs> You're a sinner. We've broken God's law. And that's why we see the things that we see here. In 2 Timothy, Paul warns his young preacher boy in verses three, in chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, he says, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And all of those things that describe the perilous times in the last days are all covered under one heading, sin, and its results. And everything that has happened as a result of sin. We broke his law and we stand guilty. We face a punishment the Bible calls us, tells us, it says, for the wages of sin is death. See, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you have to have two births if you enter the kingdom of heaven. But do you know there are also two deaths? The first death is physical death. And eventually, unless the Lord comes again by way of rapture, every person in here is going to face physical death. But the Bible in the book of Revelation describes a second death, a place of torment, a place of punishment forever and ever called the lake of fire. And the Bible says, and I quote, this is the second death. We had a man in our church many years ago, but the Jack Hammonds, and he could say you can be either a tour and a wonder, or you can be a wonder and a tour. You can have two births, one death, or you can have uh, one birth, Two deaths. This is the penalty we face. We are all held under this simple problem of sin. But you know, the gospel doesn't only give us a simple problem, it gives us a simple solution. See, we've all broken God's law. We all face a penalty, sin. Somehow we have to pay for that penalty. And the price of that penalty is death. So God had a plan. His simple solution. If someone would have to die for sin, then he would do it. And that's why Jesus came to this world. That's why he stepped into humanity. Notice verse 17 of John chapter 3 again. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Jesus came not into this world to condemn it. We'd already, we'd already done that pretty well on our own. Jesus came into this world to save it. 
Jesus came in this world to die for man's sin. He gave his life. He died in our place. The Bible tells us that Jesus was God's son. Now, this is a hard concept to like wrap our minds around. Because how, how does God have a son? But the Bible also makes that clear. It's God in this world. In the beginning was the Word, the Bible said. And I'll, and I'll say more about that tonight. And the Word became flesh. God himself took on the form of a human in, in the body of Jesus Christ. He was fully man. He was fully God. He lived a perfect life. He's the only human being who has ever perfectly fulfilled all of God's law. Every one of us, we fell short. And perhaps you're here and say, well, that may be you, but I'm a pretty good guy. Let's just go through the Ten Commandments for a moment. Commandment number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you ever put anything at all in your life and a higher importance at any moment in time above God? How about commandment number five? Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. I've only ever met one person in my entire life, and I think he was very, very high, uh, who said he had never disobeyed his parents. One grown man, okay? Anybody ever, ever is there anybody like that? Nobody wants to accept that now, yeah. See, we're all sinners. We've all condemned, been guilty. We've all been condemned. But Jesus didn't. He never disobeyed his parents. He never dishonored his parents. He was always good. He was always holy. He, he kept the word. He never lied. He never cheated. He never looked inappropriately at somebody. Uh, he never had, had a hatred. He never, I mean, he, he was holy. He was perfect. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that he might be made the righteousness, sorry, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus died in our place. He was righteous where we could not be, so that one day when we would come to know him, his righteousness would be applied to our sinful condition. See, if you're here this morning and you've received Jesus as your Savior, God doesn't see your sin. He sees what Christ did. He sees redeemed. He sees his child. He sees that Jesus paid the penalty for you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God commended. That means God displayed. He showed it. God commendeth his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, even though we'd broken God's law, Jesus Christ died for us. He did it, died in our place. See, the gospel is simple as definition. It's simple in that we all have one simple problem, sin. It was a simple solution, Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible says, uh, Jesus is speaking, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's a simple problem, it's a simple solution, and it's a simple application. You just have to receive it. It's a gift. Jesus is offering today. We read that all familiar verse together 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his Son. What is it on our part that we're supposed to do? Whosoever believeth. It's a simple act of faith. Do I believe what Jesus did or not? Do I accept what he did or not? And it has to be him and him only. If you're here this morning and say, well, I believe what Jesus did, but I'm also going to be a really good church attender. I'm going to give lots of money to the church, and I'm going to do all these good things, and that will, that will square my account. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not how it works. Anything that you add to a gift makes the gift not be a gift. Let's, let's, let's imagine for a moment. We are moving all the way to Christmas time now. We've skipped all the way through June and July and everything else. It's Christmas time. We're gathered around the Christmas tree. Your loved one has packaged the most beautiful gift, and you know what it is. You snuck a peek. You figured it out. You shook the box. My wife no longer lets me shake my Christmas presents. She won't let me touch them anymore. I figured it out too much. You know what it is. It's wonderful. She goes to give it to you, or he goes to give it to you, and you say, hold up. Hold up, mom. Hold up, dad. Hold up, husband. Hold up, wife. I know you want to give me this gift, but it's just such a wonderful gift. I just don't think I should just be handed it. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you 20 bucks, and then we're squared away for the gift. Here's the problem. It's no longer a gift. You bought it. You paid for it. Well, if say, well, well, you know what, husband and wife, this gift is just so wonderful. I've got to make it up to you. I will do the dishes for the rest of the year. Because you're smart. It's December 25th. <laughs> is it still a gift? No. Because now you're working for it. It's a payment. It is not a gift. But the, the plan of salvation, the gospel, is a gift. And all you can do is accept it. That's it. All you can do is receive it. All you can do is say, Jesus, I believe what you did. And I, by faith, accept that you died for my sins. I believe that I was a sinner, that I have broken your law, and that I have earned only a place called the lake of fire. But you paid for the penalty. You took that, and I receive you as my Savior. I believe. That's it. That's so simple. That is all there is to the gospel. It's this accepting of a gift that you cannot work for, you cannot earn. Can I ask you, have you received the gospel? Have you, from your heart, believed that you were a sinner, that Jesus paid for your sin, and turned to Him and only Him to be your Savior to forgive you of your sin? If you've not done that, Can I plead with you to do that today? Can I beg you? Today's the day. Maybe you're here and say, well, I've been listening to this whole Jesus thing for a couple weeks. I've been trying out this whole church thing, and I'm just not sold on it. I'm just not going to buy it. There has to be more to it. There's not. There's not. It is simple. There's no hidden hidden, uh, truths. There's no secret meanings in the Bible. It's just one 
single story. From Genesis to Revelation, all of it is about this one thing, the gospel. And if you miss the gospel, you miss it all. You've got to turn to Christ. You can't be good enough. You say, well, I, I just don't believe in God. A lack of belief in God doesn't make God not real. A lack of belief in a police officer doesn't make him not real if I break the speed limit. A lack of belief in the judge doesn't make him less real, though I stand in his courtroom. You must turn to Christ. You must receive him. You must be born again. The, simp- the gospel is simple in its definition. Let me say this. The gospel is simple in its scope. Let's read John 3.16 again together. Are you ready? Begin. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the... Who's in the world? Yeah, we are. Every single person. That means God loves everybody. Every person. There is not a single person under the sound of my voice that God does not love, and God does not love extremely well. He loves you so well that He sent His Son to die for you. That's huge. He came to die for your sin. I believe if, if, if you were the only sinner on planet Earth that Jesus would have still been willing to save you. He loves you that much. It's not that God uh, decided, well, you know, there's some that are sinners, and I'm going to put them in the sinners club. There's some that are saints, and I'm going to put them in the saints club, and I'm only going to love half of humanity. No, no. The Bible says God loved the world. He loved us all. He cares about us all. You say, well, I'm too bad of a sinner. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the ceiling isn't falling down. This whole place isn't collapsing around me right now. God loves you. You say, well, I'm, I'm just not that bad of a sinner. You're wrapped up your own arrogance and conceit, but God still loves you. You're wrong, but God loves you. The Bible tells us this. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells a story. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Which when it was full, they drew them to the shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked among, from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You say, oh, but look, 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 it's there's the wicked and the just. I'm just. But how are we just? We are justified only through Christ. He died in our place. The only way we can have a clean slate before God is to have Jesus, what He did, applied to our life. And again, that's by faith in His work. It's by faith in the gospel. The just and the wicked are really those who have received Christ and those who have rejected Christ. Those are the choices you can make. The gospel is for the whole world. It's for every person in this room. And so you have a decision. Will you receive the gospel? Or will you reject the gospel? Maybe you think, well, you know what? I will put it off. 
and I'll receive it at some other time. But the Bible tells us this, that it is appointed unto a man once to die, and after this the judgment. You don't know when your next breath is. And if anything the last week has taught us, there's no guarantee on age and health. Things could change in a moment's notice. You need Jesus. You must be born again. The gospel is simple in its definition. Jesus died for sins. The gospel is simple in its scope. It's for the whole world. You know, the gospel is simple in its expectation. It's very simple in its expectation. What does God want you to do with this information? What does God want you to do with the gospel? If you've not been born again, if you've not been saved, accept it. If you've not been saved, it's today's the day to believe the gospel. Today's the day to turn to Jesus for salvation. But what if we have been saved? What if we receive Christ? Do we, all right, do we say, okay, I'm good now, I check the box, I've got flame insurance, and I can go on with my life? No, there is a simple an expectation for you as well. God wants you to do something with the gospel, even if you've already received it. You know what that is? Share it. Tell other people about it. Pass it on. You say, but I'm not a pastor. There is no verse in Scripture that says only pastors share the gospel. Not one. That's a responsibility for every Christian. Because consider this for a moment. Let's, let's just get the, the picture here. You broke the law of God. You stood condemned. You were about to have the gavel come down on your life. The judgment was going to be guilty, and you deserved it, and you knew it, and the penalty was death. But then the judge's very own son steps into the courtroom and says, I will take it for him, wipe his slate clean. Would you keep that to yourself? Would you hold that to yourself? Like, man, this, this was an amazing thing that happened to me, but I couldn't tell anybody about it. Man, you'd be telling everyone. You'd be telling everyone. I mean, you wouldn't hesitate to, to let people know. Or let's look at it this way. We have this problem of sin. It is a deadly virus. We, we, we understand how viruses work now. Amen. The whole world gets scared by a virus. And we've got a much more deadly virus than COVID ever was. Because the mortality rate of sin is 100%. But all of a sudden, you discovered a cure. You discovered a foolproof cure. 100% recovery rate. 100% protection from the death of sin. Would you keep that to yourself? I mean, if your whole family you're, you're, was about to die from a deadly disease and, and you found the cure and you're cured, would you not go to your family and tell them what, what, what you've discovered? Would you not go to your neighbors? Would you not try to declare to the whole world that there is a cure for this deadly disease? If you're a Christian, you have a responsibility. If you're a Christian, you have an obligation. If you're a Christian, you, are, you have a calling to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. To tell people about Him. And it's not hard. Or at least it's not complicated. 
Because again, we have a simple problem. We have a simple cure. You're a sinner. Jesus loved you. He lived. He died. He rose again. And all you have to do is receive him. Even a child can understand that. In fact, Jesus said that you must be as a little child to come in the kingdom of heaven. So as I close this morning, I want to give some application here. I want to give a choice here. The purpose of preaching is always to lead to a decision. So here's the options. Here are the choices here. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, your choices are receive Him, or you can reject Him. That's right. I'm a pastor saying you can reject Jesus if you choose. Jesus doesn't force Himself on you. I plead with you, though. Turn to Christ. If you are here this morning and you are a Christian, you've received Jesus as your Savior, you have a decision, too. Will you tell people or keep it to yourself? You can do one or the other. You really can. You can hide behind every excuse. You say, I'm too awkward. Man, when I was in Bible college, uh, we were going out sharing the gospel. I had a nickname given to me by the people who were going with me. I was Captain Awkward. I mean, I'd say something stupid, and my friend Nathaniel Ville would be walking away from the house going, Captain Awkward rides again! That builds (laughs) self-esteem. There's no excuse. There is none. It's as simple as passing a gospel track, sharing. You know, in this day and age, you can share a YouTube video. Our our, our church has a whole series uh, that your pastor's son did for us that that presents the gospel. You can just click a mouse and boom, you've shared the gospel. (laughs) Anyone can do that. Anyone can share the gospel. We just have to do it. Let's stand together. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and we'll bow our heads for a moment. This is invitation time. It is a moment in the service for you to make a decision based on whatever it is that God has done in your heart. It may be from the, the, a, a preacher said. It may be something that perhaps one of the songs that was sang it stirred you, it helped you. Whatever the case is there, whatever decision you need to make, would you do so during this time? If you're here and you've never received Christ, I want to talk to you. Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. There is no other way. If you're here this morning and you say, I, I am not 100% sure. 